welcome to everyone. Back up, I guess. Welcome to everyone this evening, and it's good to see all of you. Some of you, it's been a couple of weeks, either because of uh, holidays or sickness or a combination of both. <laughs> so, uh, good to see you, and those of you that are joining us online this evening, we welcome you as a part of tonight as well. And uh, you can remain seated. I'm I'm not going to start with some. I'm not going to start with scriptures. I will get to scriptures. And look at that. I actually got it right. And the media team is on the ball. Didn't even have to say anything. Man, somebody's doing a great job. They always do a great job up there. But Amen. In fact, you know what? Since it's just just. Thank you, and you'll know who you are, but thank you to all of you that service after service do a variety of things to serve and make everything work the way it does, and things that are behind the scenes that many of you probably don't even realize happen, service after service after service. Thank you so much. Media, ushers, greeters, etc., etc. Um, We are blessed with an awesome ministry team at Antioch Central. Praise God. I I mentioned uh, last, or one of the services, I think, maybe New Year's Eve, I think possibly that I'm I'm hoping uh, that the Lord may allow me at some point here to take some time on Thursday nights and talk about grace some. And uh, I thought maybe tonight would would be the start of that, but it, it's not quite going to be the start of that, even though there will be a little bit of, I think, that kind of references grace here this evening. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by reading this. Some of you have probably heard this or read this, or I believe this is in a book, and you maybe, maybe have even read the book. I believe the author is Napoleon Hill, and I believe it's called Think and Grow Rich is the book. And don't worry, this is not about to be a prosperity message here this evening. (laughs) One of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when one is overtaken by temporary defeat. Every person is guilty of this mistake at one time or another. An uncle of R.U. Darby was caught by the gold fever in the gold rush days and went west. Now, I did a little bit of research, tried to confirm this is supposed to be based on some degree of truth. If you know otherwise, tell me after church. Well, I am convinced there's a bunch of stories we use nowadays that they're great stories with great morals or lessons, but they're not really true. <laughs> Or based on real life situations. but An uncle of R.U. Darby was caught by the gold fever in the gold rush days and went west to dig and grow rich. He had never heard that more gold has been mined from the brains of men than has ever been taken from the earth. He staked a claim and went to work with pick and shovel. The going was hard, but his lust for gold was definite. After weeks of labor, he was rewarded by the discovery of the shining ore. 
He needed machinery to bring the ore to the surface. Quietly, he covered up the mine, retraced his footsteps to his home in Williamsburg, Maryland. I didn't know until I read this there was a Williamsburg, Maryland. It's over on the eastern shore. He told his relatives and a few neighbors of the strike. They got together money for the needed machinery, had it shipped, and had it shipped. The uncle and Darby went back to work went back to work the mine. The first car of ore was mined and shipped to a smelter. The returns proved they had one of the richest mines in Colorado. A few more cars of that ore would clear the debts. Then would come the big killing in profits. Down went the drills, up went the hopes of Darby and Uncle. Then something happened. The vein of gold ore disappeared. They had come to the end of the rainbow and the pot of gold was no longer there. They drilled on, desperately trying to pick up the vein again, all to no avail. Finally, they decided to quit. They sold the machinery to a junk man for a few hundred dollars and took the train back home. Some junk men, some junk men are dumb, but not this one. He called in a mining engineer to look at the mine and do a little calculating, the engineer advised that the project had failed because the owners were not familiar with fault lines. His calculations showed that the vein would be found just three feet from where the Darby's had stopped drilling. That is exactly where it was found. Three feet Stopped three feet from truly striking it rich. The interesting thing is they had found some gold. But they quit before they really tapped in to the real source of it. I've said it over the last several years at different times. And I'm going to say it again tonight and... To be honest, I think after studying and preparing for what the Lord, I believe, has given me for tonight, I feel it and believe it even more. Most of us really have no clue, no real concept of what we are a part of here. Most of us... This, this God thing, this church thing, this and I don't mean church in the sense of just a local, I'm talking about churches in the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. Most of us have so little, if any, clue of what we are really a part of. It's proven by the way we treat it. And I'm not talking about the way we treat just coming to church. I mean the way we treat our involvement in the kingdom and spiritual things, it's proven by that that we don't really have a clue what we are a part of. And I think there's some correlation in this, in this story with, with the way it works in the kingdom, and that is you, 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 when, you get, when you are born again, you, you, you kind of tap into a vein. 
and you tap into some. Anybody here remember what it was like, especially if you were an adult? You know, a bunch of us here grew up in the church, and so we didn't necessarily have that moment where we came out of the world and got in church. We, I mean, we were still sinners and all that. Need, but but some of you, you lit, you were adults when you were when you got the Holy Ghost. Any, anybody still kind of remember that time? And man, the difference and the excitement you had, and 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 the excitement for what you had just received, and how awesome it was. And you still had the same, a bunch of the same problems. You still didn't have any money. You still drove a clunker. You still had a terrible job. But none of that mattered because now you got the Holy Ghost. You felt some joy you'd never felt before. You felt peace you'd never felt before. You, you began to, to connect and get other things you had never had before. Bunch of you went, man, you, you just, nobody had, to, nobody had to tell you to go talk to people about Jesus. Nobody had to organize you to go on outreach. You just started, man, you just, you went to work. You, you, you went to your family and there was this, the excitement of what had happened. Some of you probably went until, you know, told, guess what I got this weekend? I got the Holy Ghost, the Holy what? <laughs> guess what I did? What'd you do? I spoke in tongues. What is that? Again, all the same issues and problems from a natural standpoint. They didn't go away. But it didn't matter because you were so excited about what you had gotten, what you had tapped into, and, and, and this, this, this new hope. Let's all, come on, let's be honest. Don't, 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 don't get all super spiritual on me now. That didn't last. It didn't last. And it wasn't supposed to last. But the problem is we misunderstand that when a lot of that wears off, we now think, well, maybe it just didn't really worth it. Or, or, or maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Maybe this isn't the answer I thought. When the problem is you, you just got to drill a little farther. You got to dig a little deeper. You, you, you got to press a little bit more. Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press. I press towards the mark. We all are as spiritual as we want to be. If you weren't here New Year's Eve night, I'd encourage you to go watch that message. I felt like the Lord gave me a, a word for that night. We all are as spiritual as, oh, we talk well. Well, I want to be spiritual. What are you doing? Do you pray? Well, not really. You read your Bible every day? No, not really, but I want to. Or then how about this? Boy, I know I'm called. God's called me. I've got, I got promises. Of, okay, what are you doing? What are you? I didn't. Remember until I read it, but Elizabeth posted the other day a video clip from their wedding, and of course it was kind of funny reading my daughter referencing her pastor. Um, but she she, rep, she referenced a message that I had preached some point, and once I read it, I remembered the title. But the preparation for suddenly. We're all expecting God to suddenly change things in our lives, but what are you doing to prepare for that moment? I said it to Brother Barr this evening. He and I were meeting before service. I said it to him. I, 
I've fallen into that trap. Some of you may be in that trap where you're waiting for this magical moment and everything is just going to transform and revival and harvest is just going to... And there are some breakthroughs that happen from time to time, but most of the time we spend living, waiting for this elusive, magical moment that never comes. It's all about doing what Enoch did. And that's just on a daily basis, consistently, one step at a time, walking. Just going to walk. I'm going to faithfully, consistently walk. And some of you are living so close to some amazing things God has planned and purpose for you. Some of you are three feet away. Some of you are getting bored with your walk with God. You're getting bored with church. You're, you're pondering whether I'm going to stick this thing out or not. Or am I just going to... And you're three feet away. This really isn't where I'm going, but I can't get past it right now. You're, you're right there. But you're going to have to drill just a little bit further. You're going to have to do a little bit more. Paul says, I believe it's one of the Corinthian letters, Paul says that we're all going to, our, our works are going to be judged. Whether they're gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. And they're going to be tried by fire. And if you've built with gold, silver, and precious stones, those things can withstand the fire. But if you build with wood, hay, and stubble, that will be consumed by the fire. But then he goes on to say, and he makes it clear that he, there's, there's something different he's talking about when he's talking about what you're building with and with your salvation. Because he says to those whose works would be consumed because they built with wood, hay, and stubble, he said you're, you're still going to be saved. But you're also not going to get any rewards because you don't have anything that lasted. The question tonight, what is, what is, your, what is, your, what is your consecrated, what is your life of consecration built with? Are you building with wood, hay and stubble, just what's easy and doesn't cost you a whole lot, doesn't, doesn't require a lot of sacrifice, or... Are you building your your life of consecration and devotion and your walk with God? Are you doing it with gold and silver and precious stones? It's not easy. It costs you something, but it's something that's going to last. Three. Can you imagine? Three feet away. Three feet away. Not realizing what you were striving for, what you wanted is actually, it, it, it really is there. Man, I wonder, I wonder what it is you and I are living so close to. I wonder, I wonder what it is when we gather together that we oftentimes come and leave and, and we were right We were right there. It was right there. But we just, eh, I don't know, it didn't. didn't. So, 
listen, listen to what Paul says. That, that, was, that was introductory, I guess. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, and, and, and uh, let, let me skip, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll back up, but listen, listen to the Amplified, says verse 2 this way. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, his unmerited favor that was entrusted to me to dispense to you for your benefit. I was a recipient of the grace of God. I was a steward of the grace of God to distribute that grace to you. Can I tell you that what many of us are struggling with right now, and I said us, many of us are struggling with the, with the problem that our focus is so much about God doing stuff for us that's going to benefit us. We want God to help us get over our problems, get over our hurt, get over our whatever, uh, provide this, do that, because it'll be more convenient, it'll be more comfortable for us. Paul says, I was entrusted with grace, I was given grace to dispense grace. I wasn't given grace to hoard it for my benefit. I was given grace because I needed to give grace to others that needed grace. James says, you have not because you ask not. And most of us, myself included, could say, well, that's not true. I've asked. Well, that's where the next verse comes in. You ask, but the problem is you ask amiss. You ask for the wrong motives. You ask, when you do ask, it's because you want it so that you can consume it on yourself. Oh God, increase my finances. Why? Why? So you can... Live in a bigger house, drive a nicer car, go on better vacation, wear more expensive clothes? Or is your desire, God, increase my finances because there, there, there's missions that that's, needs resources. There's, there's ministries that need resources. There's needs in the kingdom, God. So if you'll increase my finances, I want to be a... Why are you asking? You see, what most people don't understand is when you ask for the right reasons and God does it, you get the benefit of it. But when you ask just to consume it, he says you ask amiss because you want to consume it on yourself. And so you're not getting it when you ask. How many of you tonight have got something in your life you have been praying for for months and months and months and it just doesn't seem like God is hearing God? And this isn't everybody's. If, If the shoe doesn't fit Cinderella, don't force it on. Oh God, oh God, fix it, oh God, oh God, provide this. Why? Just just so you can worry less? Just so you can enjoy life a little bit more? 
Paul says, I, I'm not getting grace just so I can have more grace. I'm getting grace because I've been entrusted to be a steward of grace. And so I'm getting grace to pass grace on. You know, we, we uh, I probably would tell it anyway, but I'm going to be a lot more comfortable telling it without her being in here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We, we, you know, a couple years ago, uh, we, we, we downsized significantly, sold the house we had lived in for nine years, bought a new house. The house we lived in had a basement, full basement. Most of it was finished, but then a part of it had a really great storage, and we moved into this house that was about half the size. We had, I guess at that point, what, 20 plus years of stuff with kids especially accumulated. So the, the big, somehow a couple of weeks ago, Timothy and Nathaniel got to watching uh, some, some minimalist shows or something on one of these platforms. So Timothy said, we need, we need to, right after the holidays, we need to do a... a, a I don't know if he used this word, but this is the word that started. We need to do a purge. We've got a couple of attic spaces. If I knew I wouldn't be murdered, I'd, I'd show you before and after pictures because I'm kind of proud of it. But somebody else would not be as proud as I am of it, and it would be in big trouble. <laughs> Has anybody ever seen in all of your life, I don't remember. With there's a lot of people my age and older in here, brother Tony. I don't really remember as a kid seeing self storage facilities all over the place. There's now two of them within a stone's throw, as they would say, of each other on Route 50. Why? Because we're consuming too much stuff on ourselves. And I know some of them, I've seen some of them are used for businesses, and I, I understand that. And, and some of them are used for a little more legitimate reasons. But some of them are used because people just want to consume. What are, what, are you, what are you looking for from God, and why are you looking for it? Oh, Jesus. Well, I'd just like to be a little happier. I'd just, I'd just like to get along a little better with my spouse so that things are a little... Why are you asking? What are you asking for? Paul says, I, Have you heard the, of the dispensation of grace, the grace of God which is given to me to you word? How that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto His glory, unto His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Listen, this next verse just really 
amazes me. Paul says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent for the purpose that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places I just missed where did oh going back to verse eight unto me who am less than the least of all saints is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you, you understand what that means? I'm going to read again in the Amplified in a minute. But do you understand what Paul is saying there? He's not saying these are things that can't be found. He's not saying unsearchable in the sense you can't find them. He's saying the unsearchable riches of Christ in this context, no matter how much you search, no matter how much you experience of the riches of Christ, you have not come anywhere to, 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 uh, to, to coming to the end of all there is. As far as you go, there's more. As deep as you dig, there's more. I've, I've said it several times. I may come back to it in a different context here in a little bit this evening. But, but just I, I, I've been preaching for 30 plus years now. And, and just, man, in the, in, in the, towards the end of last year, just simply rereading through some things I've read before in Scripture, rereading through Paul's epistles, just, just wow, how did I miss that? How did I not see that before? I don't mean to be offensive, but some of you don't really know what that's like and you're so missing it. You you don't know what it's like to be sitting there with your Bible. I don't care what translation you pick. Pick whichever one you want to pick. But sitting there reading and all of a sudden it's just, whoa. Especially maybe it's when you're in a moment or a season of something and it's exactly what you need. That's not what God has for the preacher. That's not what my that's not what is exclusive for the pastor. That's for every child of God. But you will not find the unsearchable riches of Christ if you're not searching. Verse 10. To the intent for the reason that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places... Now watch this, really, this, this, this verse and this last part of this verse that what just got a hold of me for tonight. That in heavenly places, and, and if you study that first principalities and powers, you read some of the commentaries, there's, there's not necessarily complete agreement on, you know, is that referring to spiritual things or natural things or seems to be more so spiritual things, spiritual principalities and powers. But either way, listen to what he says. That, that, that for this reason, that unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known... By the church, the manifold wisdom of God. We spent, especially these last couple of years, us being intimidated by the principalities and powers. When God's design was for the principalities and powers to be intimidated by what they see manifested in and through the church. 
You and I is what God designed to be His, 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 His model to display some things to principalities and powers. And we want to sit around and decide whether or not, you know, we want to go to church or we want to be involved in church. And again, I, I, I'm not saying church and strictly in the, sure, it's a part of it, but I'm not saying that just in the context of coming to a church. Or I don't mean, I mean the church and what, what the church is all about. The called out ones. I, 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 I hope I'm not coming across negative here because the, the intent is, in fact, it's, it's really the opposite because I so would love for you and I to get a fresh revelation and a fresh grasp and experience. In, in, in Throughout Scripture, a lot of places where you see the word know or knowledge, it's not referencing simply a, an intellectual head knowledge. It's talking about an experiential knowledge. According to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Three feet away. Three feet away. Let me read these verses to you in the Amplified. Verse 1. For this reason, because I preach that you are thus, that you are thus built up together, I, Paul, am the prisoner of of Jesus the Christ for the, for the sake and on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, His unmerited favor that was entrusted to me to dispense to you for your benefit. He didn't give it to me to consume it on myself. It was said, I believe, uh, may, there may have been others, but I know both Sister Christina and, and my wife and the Memorial service today for Jesse Hall. Both, both said it in similar ways. Maybe not identical, but pretty close. Both referencing how, you know, at times they felt like they needed, they needed to be there for Jesse. They needed to be there to help Jesse. They needed to be there to support Jesse. And both of them saying, in essence, they realized at some point that actually Jesse was there for them. My wife shared it in the service this morning but about the same time she was she had her surgery Jesse had been in the hospital for a little while gets out of the hospital and as a part of those that volunteered to bring meals to our house Jesse was one of the ones I'm 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 seeing it more and more I'm watching it more and more the people who are so overwhelmed with their lives are the people that are the most self-centered. The people that gripe and complain the most about how bad their lives are are the people that are not involved in anything outside of themselves. I'm not shooting at anybody here tonight. If the shoe fits, then put it on, Cinderella. But some of the people that I, that I hear the most from and see the most that are having such horrible challenges and problems in their lives are the ones that in comparison to others are hardly dealing with anything. And I've said it before. I said it in the service today, and I'm going to say it again tonight. In one context, it's a wonderful thing to know that God doesn't look at me and then look at you and you know compare, well, he's got it worse, so I'm focused on him. You do, God doesn't do that. God looks at each one of us individually. But there are some times that we need to look at others. 
Well, we're not supposed to compare ourselves among ourselves or judge ourselves. It's amazing how expert we are at using scriptures for our own benefit when we want. But every now and then you need to do a little comparison. Again, I said it in the service today, and I've said it before in services in the last several months, especially with regards to the stuff my wife has gone through this last year. At the end of the day, I thank God I still have her. There's been no funeral. There's been no burial. And I watched time and time again. And, and, and that was, again, several people that was expressed today. I mean, Jessie, here she is, and she's lived all of her life with physical issues, heart transplant, and, and, and the last several months especially, all of it just, just amped up. And, 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 and yet you'd, you'd never know it. Beautiful spirit, smile. And I know she had her ups and downs. She was a human. Some of you, God, God's, God has every desire and intent to turn things around in your life, but not until you get your motive for it right. God didn't cause an earthquake in the jail where Paul and Silas were strictly to get Paul and Silas out of jail. There were some other things that God had at work in that jail. Paul and Silas were benefited by the earthquake and it got them out. But in the meantime, somebody got saved. And that the mystery, the secret was made known to me and I was allowed to comprehend it by direct revelation as I already briefly wrote to you. And, and when you read this, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Well, brother, I just can't, I just don't know how you expect me to focus on ministry or involvement in the kingdom with all that's going on and all that I've got. You and I better be so glad that wasn't Paul's attitude because we would have no epistles from him. I've heard of writers and authors and I, I know one somewhat personally that you know when they when they wanted to write a book they've gone away someplace for a week or so where did they go someplace that had air conditioning if it was warm or heat if it was cold electricity all of the one because they wanted the right understandably so they wanted this comfortable nice environment Paul was not on a writing vacation when he wrote a bunch of his epistles. He was stuck in jail. Where would we be if John was not willing to be used to write the book of Revelation if only the circumstances were the circumstances he wanted to be in? He was isolated on the Isle of Patmos when he got the Revelation. Some of you are missing the fact God's got you an absolute prime position for some things. You're waiting to get out of them. God's got you in them because it's in those circumstances that He's got some revelation for you that is bigger than anything you've ever gotten before. He's got some riches for you that you've never experienced it before. But what did He tell Paul? Sorry, Paul. If I'm going to give you all this, if I'm going to do all this, you need that thorn. Wait a minute, that's not why I decided to follow. I didn't decide to follow Jesus for thorns. 
I didn't decide to follow Jesus so I could have pain and suffering. I, I decided to follow Jesus to get away from that. You're, you're going to get away from it. One day you're going to get away from it forever. I'm sure there are those family members and friends that if, if you had your way, if we were in control, Jesse would still be here. You think, you think if Jesse had the choice right now? I mean, she was, I again, said it in the service today, she was, she was believing and praying for God to provide a new heart transplant. But I, I know she believed, and I believe God was more than capable of, of giving her, just giving her a brand new heart. He can do anything. I don't care if the heart she had was from a transplant. He could recreate that heart. She's got a new heart. And she's got one that's not going to ever need a transplant again. And my understanding, been around some folks, that some maybe somebody here tonight's had a transplant. I'm off the top of my head, I'm not, but... You have a tra- you have you, you don't it's not like everything's normal after you have a transplant. She she got she got better than a transplant. Problem is too many of us are living from a temporal perspective. That's not the answers we want. When you read this, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery was never disclosed to human beings in past generations as it has now been revealed by his, to His holy apostles, consecrated messengers and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It is this, that the Gentiles are now to be fellow heirs with the Jews, members of the same body and joint partakers, sharing in the same divine promise in Christ through their, through their acceptance of the glad tidings of the gospel. That verse alone proves how little understanding many of us have. We now have access to something and a right to something that we should have never had access and a right to. To me, though I am the very least of all saints, God's consecrated people, this grace, favor, privilege was granted and graciously entrusted to proclaim to the Gentiles the unending, boundless, fathomless, incalculable, and exhaustless riches of Christ Wealth which no human being could have searched out. Also to enlighten all men and make plain to them what is the plain, what is the plan regarding the Gentiles and providing for the salvation of all men of the mystery kept hidden through the ages and concealed unto now in the mind of God who created all things by Jesus, by Christ Jesus. The purpose is, here, here's why all of this was done. All of this was created. The purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known in the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities and powers in the heavenly spheres. Oh, my word. Done two memorial services two weeks in a row. I've never been in two funerals in two weeks in a row in my life. 
Both times the majority of the crowd was non-church people. And both times I have geared myself up getting ready to do the eulogy. Don't worry about their faces. Don't worry about their responses. They're not apostolics, so don't worry. I'm, I'm seeing the same response I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'm getting the same response this evening that I've gotten in two memorial services from non-apostolics. Wow. I, okay, I guess you're just sitting here in such awe and amazement. You just can't say, really not try. My wife, just she just she just said in the car, She, I, I may tell more, but she just gave me a really good, it was her idea, but has to do with some church stuff, but a New Year's resolution, a good one. And, and, and I, I really, I'm, I'm not trying to be, trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be mean. Oh my goodness. Did you just that, that verse alone? The purpose is the purpose what you and I are doing here. This this church thing. I don't I don't understand. I, I don't understand it, but you know, how many of you you, you, before you got saved, you were a part of some kind of denominal church, and you went to church one service a week, one Sunday morning service a week. I mean, that was the norm. It's, it's scary to me how close us apostolics are getting to that. And, and we're, we're, we're cutting out all these different things, whether it's services or ministries or whatever. We're cutting it all down to nothing. Why? Because everyone is so busy Everyone is content to live three feet away. Everybody's satisfied to live three feet away when God designed us to be the ones through which He could manifest the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God. He created us to be the example, the manifestation of that. Again, what Brother Wright, what you're preaching about, how come we're not, how come we got sickness, how come we got problems? Because we all need thorns. I used it in the funeral service today, and I think it's online, at least on Facebook. Maybe some of you need to go watch it, but it's been, if you've, if you've never read the book Prisoner in the Third Cell, you need, that's your homework for the weekend. Every child of God needs to read that book. It's a quick read. You can probably read the whole thing, I think, less than an hour, probably. The bottom line is God usually never meets our expectations. He never does things the way we want Him to do them all the time. And so you, can you trust and believe and submit and stay surrendered to a God that doesn't do things your way? But but my wife, we were in a my wife and I were in a conversation this afternoon, and, and and she referenced, and it was kind of connected to some of this. And she said, "But the problem is, if you don't have a pretty good idea and concept of who God is and what God is, if you don't really have a good grasp on who God is and the character and the nature of God, then when you look at those difficulties and those thorns and all, then, then you, you, you have trouble reconciling that. But when I trust His nature and His character and that He's love and that everything He does or does not do is based on love, then, then, then I, can, I can accept those things a whole lot more. 
His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. They are much higher than mine. The, the, the purpose is that through the church, through the church, through the church, I, I don't know it, you know, I, I've used it more and more and probably will keep using it to a degree, but, but the Passion Translation, I, I looked up this verse, I, didn't, I don't have it, but in the footnote, and I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe everything hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> but in the footnote, it, 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 it says, in, in essence, it says that, that the church is the university for the angels. I'll have to back up here in a minute, but look look at this. First Peter one nine. We're all you know many. Well, we're all about the angels, the angels, the angels. Look at what Peter says: receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come on. You understand what that verse is saying? That verse is saying that some of the things that the men of God, the prophets in the, in the Word of God, that you and I look back on at times with some degree of envy of them, they didn't have what you and I have. They didn't experience what you and I experienced. With all of Moses' great experience, he never experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost as evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what? Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when testify beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things, which things... You and I have, and you and I have experienced those things, the angels. The angels desire to look in to study what you and I have. I've said it before, and I think after rereading this verse, I'm not going to ever say it again. So what if I never see an angel? Angels are interested in what I have. Angels are... In all of what you and I have. We all have angels, angels. And, and I know they're ministering spirits and all of that. But, but it's not the angels that God created to demonstrate His manifold wisdom to the world. It's the church that God created to manifest and demonstrate His manifold wisdom to the world. You, you and I are God's... Designed to be God's display to the world, to the principalities and powers. Oh, Jesus. That, that's, he, man, he, I, I love the way it, I love the way the Amplified says that verse 10. That, that, that the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety 
look at God from one perspective and, and then when you think you've got a little bit of a grasp on that, now you get exposed to another perspective and there's this whole new perspective on God and, and now you've kind of got these two, but next thing you know, you get introduced and, 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 and there's more to see, there's more to grasp, there's more to experience. Oh. Was it Jeremiah? The Lord said something too about not whatever their faces or something. You know, like, <laughs> wow. Wow. And I know, you know what, I, I was, I've been thinking of pondering this today, especially in preparation for tonight. And, 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 and so, you know, okay, is that all about, is, these, is the manifold wisdom and all of this many sided and all this great stuff that God, is that all about, you know, the, 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 the hocus pocus Stuff that, you know, all the, ooh. Oh, you know what? Some of that is, some of that is simply about the fact of manifesting to the world what a healthy marriage is and manifesting to the world what a healthy home looks like and, and what healthy relationships in general. I, I'm all about, I'm all for, and I want to experience, and I want to know more about those supernatural, you know, sensational things. But there, I, I realized it today. I said, I'm, I, I know we're live streaming and whatever, and, but I, I, I've done it numerous times, but I did it, I did it again today. I, I, I looked across the those that were gathered today and and I, I looked at some people whose lives have just they've they've been a mess. They are a mess. That at one point were three feet away. Broken relationships, divorce, in and out of relationships, families torn up. That at one point sat where you're sat. You know what? I, I, I got to thinking about that this afternoon and I got to thinking about the blessing of my wife and my kids and my sons-in-law. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll take that, God. You and I were designed by God. And we, we spend all this time focused on preaching about, thinking about, focusing on you know, angels and demons, and, and they're all there. Again, I'm not, they're all there, they're all real. But, but what Paul is saying here is, you're all focused on them. They ought to be all focused on you because of what God is doing through you. This is in accordance with the terms of the eternal and timeless purpose which he has realized and carried into effect in the person of Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom because of our faith in him we dare to have the boldness, courage, and confidence of free access and unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. Wow. Wow. Barnes Notes says this about that phrase, to the intent 
the sense is that it was the design or that this was the purpose for which all things were made. One grand purpose in the creation of the universe was that the wisdom of God might be clearly shown by the church. Wow. One grand purpose in the creation of everything was to get to the place that the wisdom of God might be clearly shown by the church. It was not enough to invince it by the formation of the sun, the stars, the earth, the seas, the mountains, the floods. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth its handiwork. That wasn't enough. It was to get to the church to be the primary object and demonstration of His glory. It was not enough to show it by creation of intelligent beings, the formation of immortal minds on earth and the various ranks of the angelic world. There were views of the divine character which could be, which could be obtained only in connection with the redemption of the world. Hence the universe was created and man was made upon the earth, not merely to illustrate the divine perfections in the work of creation, but in a still more illustrious manner in the work of redemption and hence the deep interest which the angelic hosts have ever evinced in the salvation of man. We got a messed up, broken world that's getting broker and broker by the day. Crazier and crazier by the day. But you and I are a part of what God intended to manifest and demonstrate His manifold wisdom through. Oh, Jesus. Adam Clark says this about the statement, the the words manifold wisdom. The multifarious and greatly diversified wisdom of God, laying great and infinite plans and accomplishing them by endless means through the whole lapse of ages making every occurrence subservient to the purposes of His infinite mercy and goodness. God's gracious design to save a lost world by Jesus Christ. Oh God, if we could somehow grasp, truly grasp and believe this next part. God's gracious design to save a lost world by Jesus Christ could not be defeated by any cunning skill or malice of man or devil's. Oh God, let's make a resolution tonight. Let's make a New Year's resolution, a corporate New Year's resolution tonight that we are going to stop feeding on the frenzy of all of the chaos and immorality and godlessness in our world because we focus on all of that and we lose faith and confidence that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And the light shines into the darkness. And the darkness cannot overtake. The darkness cannot put out the light. We need to start thanking God for a world that's getting darker and darker. Because the darker and darker the world gets, the brighter and the brighter the light should be. I I was shared in a group chat today. I haven't been a. It's been a crazy day. I don't ever recall a funeral in church in the same day. It may have happened, but I don't remember it. But I was sent. uh, Someone sent out to a group of people 
uh, and I'll check it later, but it's, it's an article. The Church of England's first genderqueer priest shares hope of normalizing it for children. It's no longer about what Washington, D.C. is promoting. It's no longer about what Hollywood is promoting. It's now about what's being pro- promoted and trying to be normalized within not the church, but in so-called churches. So we can sit around and worry about all of that and get overwhelmed by all of that, or we can decide, you know what, man nor the devil has the ability to defeat God's plan. Whatever hindrances are thrown in the way, His wisdom and power can remove, and His infinite wisdom can never want ways or means to affect its gracious designs. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. The gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against... What? The church, the church through which God designs, desires to show forth His manifold wisdom. Well, I just don't understand, Pastor. You're sitting there and you're telling us all this good stuff tonight and we don't even have a third of, we're not even a third of filling this sanctuary. That's our problem. We need to go back and reread some things. I hope you are challenged by what I say and not get tired of me saying if I keep references. But now I, I, I got through the epistles and now I'm, uh, I think I'm going I'm to kind of go through the Gospels. I'm in John. And it just kind of stood out to me. Anybody ever, anybody ever thought possibly, ever thought? I, I know I have, but I've you know, been out in public and I'm like, you know, I, I got the Holy Ghost. I'm a child of God. And, I'm walking through the store, or I'm at my job, and nobody seems to notice me or recognize me. Anybody ever felt that? I'm, I have. Yeah. I'm this. I'm this child. I got the. I got the light. But I mean, people aren't just falling out when I walk down. The... So, so then, what do we do? One time in all my years, one time, I was on an airplane about probably ten years ago. Flight attendant. I was casually dressed. No, I didn't have a Bible or anything. Whatever. I didn't, I didn't have a collar on, nothing. And this, this flight attendant, she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I was like, yeah. I am. I don't know what made her. Nobody else has ever said that before or since. But I, every time, man, I'm like, you know, I know I got the heart. I, I believe. I, I said it a couple of services ago. I need, to, I need to go really dig into it uh, before I keep saying because I, I don't want to, you know, but... But we, we always put casting out devils strictly in the context of an individual. But I wonder if casting out devils can also include when you walk into a room and there's a demonic presence in that room, but you walk into that room and you take authority over that demonic presence. Is that not just as much casting out devils as it is devils in a person? I, I, you know, boy, if I got the, I, I'm a man of God. I got read, read, and just read, just the first, read, really, just in the first couple of chapters of the book of John. 
Jesus Christ. Many of you tonight believe Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. Not the second person of the Trinity. He was God manifested. God, the Creator, manifested in the flesh. Go, go read about Him and read about all of those He interacted with that had no clue, never understood who He was, never realized who He was. And the devil wants to get on our shoulders and make us get all down on ourselves because everybody doesn't recognize, whoa, there goes a child of God. They, they didn't do that with Jesus. And then John, in, 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 the, in his epistle, he addresses it. He says, the world doesn't know us. They didn't know Him. Can you imagine how much would change for a lot of us if we just truly got confident in who we are and what we are? And it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody does or says. I don't have to have the world validating me. I don't have to have a crowd to validate me. I, I know who I am. I know what I am. Jesus wasn't go, didn't go hiding in a corner somewhere because everybody wasn't falling down when He walked down the street recognizing that He was the Messiah. If they didn't do that for Jesus, they're not going to do that for you and I. But that doesn't take away from the reality of what you and I have because there are some hungry people out there that just like there were in Jesus' day that can recognize some things because they're looking for them. The manifold, the manifold wisdom. Whatever the problem is, God has the answer. Am I at an apostolic church tonight? Whatever the problem is, God has the answer. And God's answer isn't to just medicate the problem. God's answer is to deliver. God's answer is to heal. God's answer is to renew. God's answer is to restore. God's answer is to give some of you grace for the thorn. Manifold, the manifold, the manifold, the many faceted aspects of the wisdom of God. The unsearchable riches. It, it, it boggles my mind how much stuff the world spends money for with absolutely no guarantee of the outcome. Absolutely no guarantee. We went back a week or two before Christmas, maybe two, two weeks or so before Christmas. My, my, my sons, my sons-in-law, and, and uh, my dad, my brother, Noah, we, we, went to the, we went to the Maryland Terrapins basketball game. They had just lost, I think that Sunday, to Tennessee by just a couple of points, and Tennessee was a higher-ranked team than them, and they were playing UCLA, another big school. And, you know, there was these hopes that going to be this upset. I spent, I spent good hard-earned money to go to that game with expectations of celebrating a victory. They were absolutely terrible. To say st they stunk is nice. 
That's the problem when it's where you went to college. You, you don't have a chance. You have to be a fan, good or bad. Professional teams, you can change when they're not doing good. Your college, you're stuck with it. Absolutely terrible. As some would say, terrible, terrible. That's terrible. It was terrible. Absolutely. But you know what? Not one time did they put a sign up on the big screen above the court that said, please stop by the ticket booth on your way out. We would like to refund you your money. They kept my money. You understand? This is the one thing. God is the one the only thing in the world that you have a guarantee if you invest in it you're going to get a return. I love my wife and my wife loves me and I'm convinced of that and I believe we love each other more now than we did 30 years ago. But that's not a guarantee. I could lose my mind, she could lose her mind. One of us may be committed and sold out, but that that's not a guarantee. The only guarantee that you have in this world is investing in your relationship with God and in the kingdom of God. That is the only thing that is guaranteed to return. Not only is it guaranteed to return, but He'll do it exceeding, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. The unsearchable, the unsearchable riches. We, we got, I, 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 don't, don't be embarrassed to admit this, really. Don't be embarrassed because I live with one. We, we got any Hallmark Christmas movie people here? Those of you that have done colors, I'm a gold. And green my wife is orange and blue so I don't want to offend you blue folks by my green comments but I I don't know the point pretty much if you've seen one you've seen them all why don't they just make one one time where the conflict never gets resolved and they actually don't get together He doesn't run back from the airport and decide, I'm not going back to New York City. I'm going to stay in this no-name small town for the rest of my life with you. That I almost kissed the other day, but something interrupted it while we were drinking our hot chocolate. Yeah, I've actually had to sit through a few. I think some of us escape to that because we're not fully investing ourselves in the kingdom. So we like something that's got a little bit of predictability. There is nothing more predictable. Again, I'm not talking about a physical better life, you know, healthy body, nice house. I'm not talking about all that because the bottom line is when you really get focused on him and who he is and what he has, all of that stuff becomes secondary. Through the church through us 
He intended to show principalities and powers some stuff. We're sitting around, oh God, there's principalities and powers and high things that exalt themselves and God's going, no, no, no. I, I got you to teach them a lesson. I created you to show them some things about me. Oh, Jesus. The church, the church. Not a church. I'm not talking about apostolic. I'm talking about the church. I, I trust and hope and believe. I'm here. I hope you're here because I believe as an apostolic we are a part of the church. But as apostolics, we are not the church. The church doesn't have a label. It doesn't have a label. Sorry, but I know some of us may think he said it, but Jesus did not say, upon this rock, I will build my apostolic church in the gates of hell. He didn't say, I will build my Pentecostal church. He just said, I will build my church. What is established is how you get in the church. Whatever brand, whatever label, you got to be born again if you want to see the kingdom, if you want to enter the kingdom. However, I'll also remind you the kingdom and the church are not synonymous. The kingdom is a part of the church. The kingdom is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God and the church are not one and the same. They're not synonymous. The kingdom is way bigger. He didn't say of the increase of his government and church there would be no end. He said of his kingdom. Part of the reason there's a difference between church and kingdom is to have a kingdom, you have to have a king who is in charge and has rule. You can go to church and not have a king. Oh, and by the way, let me throw this in here while I'm trying to quit. I'm not trying to make up for weeks of not teaching in one night. Some of you that are sitting around, possibly some of you here tonight, struggling with your faith and truth and what's truth and what's not truth. At the, at the, do you know, I just, I just saw this the other, just saw a clip on, the, on, the, on, the, uh, on, on social media the other day. Do, do you know that, um, and, and some of you can help me here articulate this properly if I, if I don't get it out quite right. But, but do you know, with regards to whether or not you're Jewish, do you know how it's determined? If, you, if you're considered to be a Jew, it is determined by your mother's side. Jesus is the Father. Jerusalem is the mother of us all. It's actually not about who's your daddy. Part of the question about salvation is who's your mama? Ishmael and Isaac had the same father. I said, Ishmael and Isaac had the same father. And watch this, watch this. I got I gotta quit. I gotta quit. I gotta quit. Ishmael and Isaac had the same father. Ishmael who was not the chosen, still had blessings, promises from God 
that he was going to be taken care of. I, I don't know if anybody's picking up what I'm putting down right now. Ishmael was a seed of Abraham. And when God sent him away, he made promises he'd be taken care of, be protected. But he wasn't the child of promise. You better not determine your mama. Because they got a daddy. There's a lot of people out there got the father. They got a different mother. And I believe it's in the book of Galatians that it says something along these lines that the children of the bondwoman are more than the free. I'll make it a little bit plainer. I don't really want to go too plain here. I'll make it a little bit plainer. We are a minority. We are a smaller group of the groups. But you better not give up the right mother. Just because Ishmael is being taken care of. There's a lot of churches, a lot of churches that are letting what's going on in other churches and other groups cause them to change who they are. Look at them. They got this and they've got that. Yeah, because they've, they've got a father who's going to take care of them. But the issue is going to be who's the mother. Wow, I don't know where that came from. Manifold, the unsearchable riches. Anybody here tonight that the way you feel about your walk with God and your kingdom and the church is just... If that's the case, you're three... Feet away from unsearchable riches. I, I, I not only have, I, I've already said it tonight with regards to just reading, but, but then it happens, you know, it happens also on a fairly regular basis, whether it's in person or, or something I'm watching online. I, I sit and I hear a preacher preaching something from a verse I've read dozens of times. And I'm, I, whoa, wow. You know, I, I, I've thought about this, and I, I really am quitting, whatever that means. That's all relative. <laughs> but there, there actually have been times, that I, again, I, I, I've been preaching 30-plus years now. Since 2005, most of the time, it's three times a week, most of the time. And there, there, there have been a few times, Brother Middleton, there have been a few times I've thought, man, if I keep doing this for years and years, is there still going to be stuff to preach? And yet, I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got notes in my iPad. I've got notes on computers. I've got notes in notebooks of stuff I've never 
really good stuff. Because it is unsearchable riches. Every individual. Man, I don't mean to call you out. I haven't seen you in a little while. I missed you, and I hate the first night to see you. But I, I can remember months ago out on the, on the volleyball court, just out on the volleyball court playing volleyball, and in, the, in, in between volleys and all that, I remember hearing you talking to him about stuff from, I think it was in Mo, about Moses and in Exodus and stuff you were seeing and wow, this and that. That's not even scratching the surface of the unsearchable, the unsearchable riches. I'll read it one more time, and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray, and we're going to. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, or, or, or really, if, if I got the context and what it's really saying right, I can say it this way, might be known through through the church. If you read it just simply as by the church, you read it as, well, that's what the church is supposed to know or whatever. But that, that's not, he's saying that, that, that the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known through the church. That through the church they would know the manifold wisdom of God. I don't feel sorry for him in the least, and so I really shouldn't even say it this way. But do you know what a bum job it has to be to be the devil? Every plan and tactic that he has is doomed from the beginning. The poor fellow has tried for thousands of years to come up with more and more. The problem is every one of them is destined to not prosper. And the only way his weapons can prosper in your life is when you give them permission to prosper. Because God has promised that there is no weapon that can... He didn't say no weapon would be formed. No weapon would prosper. That through the church, through the... I, I've said it. I, I don't consider myself to be a prophet and whatever. And I, Paul said it, and I, I can't believe Paul saying it because I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm one of the least, but... I, I believe there's a day coming. I believe there's going to be a day that's coming that we're going to go through some of the same crisis we've been through in the last several years. But the next time, but, but not the, I'm not saying that, let me re rephrase that. I don't, I'm not saying the next time. But there's going to come a time when we're going to go through some of those same things. But the difference that time is going to be, God is going to show a clear distinction between the world and His people. I believe there'll be a pandemic one of these days that we're going to go through that it won't touch the church. It won't hinder the church. It won't affect the people of God. 
Go reread the story of the children of Israel in, the, in Egypt. The first couple of plagues that they went through, everybody, including the Israelites, were affected by them. But then there came a point that God said, Now let me show you something. I'm the God of the Israelites, and I'm going to put a border around them and separate them from what you're going through. I didn't say that everything that ever happens, we're not. I didn't say that. Don't go, no. But through the church, by the church, God is going to show forth His manifold wisdom. God, I I, I feel, Lord, tonight that in my humanity, there is just no way to convey, to express the magnitude of your manifold wisdom and the unsearchable riches and what you are planning, what you will do. Not just planning in the sense of it may or may not happen, but what you have planned that will happen through the church. God, I pray tonight that you would help us, that you would help those that are a part of this congregation. Lord, to get a fresh revelation, fresh faith and confidence and what we are as individuals and what we are a part of collectively as the body. That through us, God, you are going to, through the church worldwide, but I believe through us as a congregation in a local setting, you are going to show forth your manifold wisdom by your grace, Lord. It's not by anything we've done to deserve it or earn it. It's not by anything we could do to deserve it or earn it, but, but it's by your grace. God, I pray tonight that you would help us as we start a new year. Every one of us, God, every one of us. By your grace, help us, Lord. To get our eyes off of asking for things that we can have and consume for ourselves. But God, help us to become stewards of your grace. Stewards of your blessings that we can in turn minister those to others, be a blessing to others. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you throughout this weekend. In Jesus' name.